Hello and welcome to the HBO Boys Podcast. Today we are talking about Oppenheimer. It's me, Ryan, and Adam is also here. Say hi, I'm Adam. Here. Yeah. Hello, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> Oppen- Oppenheimer, yay. Yeah. Now, something we'll, we'll let everyone know if you're not in the Discord on our Patreon, patreon.com slash H-B-O-B-O-I-Z. Um, we went and saw Oppenheimer in one of the 30... 30- uh, movie theaters in the world that are showing it in 15 perf 70 millimeter film. And Adam, can you describe what dope. that means for the the layman? Yeah, so that is the film format that Kodak literally invented for this movie for Christopher Nolan specifically. It's the largest and widest 70 millimeter film that has ever been made. And obviously film uh, has a different color grade. It has a different texture, all that stuff. So this film was not only massive, it was beautiful and crispy and it had wonderful Mm. rack focus and bokehs. And it was just, man, you're making up words. You're making up words. It was lovely experience. And I'm very excited that the Providence Place IMAX has this. That is where we went. And it is dope. Yeah, it was a 1030 or 10 a.m. showing. And it was filled with people in pink because they were doing the double feature that day. The double feature, right. Uh, And I I actually got to see Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same day. But I saw Barbie Barbie like 1030 p.m. on the same day. and (laughs) 12 hours later. 12 hours later. uh, Kodak, by the way, also developed the first ever black and white film stock for IMAX for this movie as well because did not know that yeah there are uh kind of different timelines we're jumping around in this movie when it's in color it's in first person from Oppenheimer's perspective when it's in black and white it is from Strauss's perspective Robert Downey Mm -hmm. Jr.'s uh we go back and forth between Oppenheimer's story from Cambridge to Los Alamos then his security hearing in 1954 and Strauss's confirmation hearing in 1959 and I personally didn't get lost in that timeline. I went in because I uh, having an understanding of how Christopher Nolan really likes to take narrative structure and stretch it to its limits. I did see some people say that it was hard to follow, but I I don't know. I didn't think it was that hard. Yeah, I think once you got down and understood the color changes and the pacing it was much easier but if you didn't get if you didn't get on that like i get it (laughs) but uh, yeah i i loved it i thought i thought it was i thought it was great also by the way because the size of imax 15 perf 70 millimeter film is gigantic Mm. and the speed at which it's pulled through the camera it's nearly impossible to record on set sound when the camera is running so when dialogue was happening, they had to use like five perf 70 millimeter format rather than full frame IMAX or you wouldn't be able to hear anybody. Mm. And I'm trying to remember, I saw an interview where it was uh, someone just interviewing Christopher Nolan about this movie and they were talking about the sound and how they loved the dialogue that happens during the explosion uh, scene. And um, he said, yeah, we, we captured that. That that was the same sound that you saw is what we captured. And there was no after post-processing on sound either. On yeah. A lot of stuff. He says no CGI shots in this entire movie, but there's also a shot of the earth exploding. Like it's like a daydream kind of what if the atmosphere also explodes? And I was like, <laughs> did you go to space, Chris? Hmm? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe he did. <laughs> and okay, well, when you went to space, Chris, did you nuke the Earth? <laughs> 
Well, you know what? That no CGI, there's a there's a little asterisk next to that because on the Indian version of this, they did in fact put a CGI dress on Florence Pierre when uh, she was naked. Yes, um yeah. sitting in the chair with with um uh Killian Murphy there. And uh yeah, it's um I mean, it is what it is. It's their culture, I guess. I suppose. And uh, yeah, I thought Killian Murphy was going to hang full dong and he did. That's what I heard. Uh, that's what I had heard, too, through the dong based grapevine. And it didn't happen. <laughs> no, but we we did get um, some lewds and nudes, you know, um, actually, it's surprising. But I, I didn't anticipate there one to be as much as there was, even though it, it wasn't an extended time in a movie like this. It didn't come to my mind that we'd see anything. A three hour long movie actually i think like three hours and five minutes i will also say it didn't feel that long no Uh, it didn't it, it, it kind of it went faster than i thought it was going to go and uh this is a story how much of this story did you know going into the movie adam um i knew uh well, I knew about the situation that happened, and I knew about the war. The, yeah, and I knew about Oppenheimer. I knew about the Manhattan Project, but I didn't know about this whole like um, trial. Essentially, he was on. I, I had no idea about that. Right, where uh, during the 1950s, the McCarthy era uh, and the rise of anti-communism in America, uh, slapping Oppenheimer with an a communist label and trying to renounce his security clearance uh, and succeeding in doing so in sort of a kangaroo court where he was never meant to win and a court that wasn't even a court it was just sort of a room where (laughs) his old friends testified against him uh, or for him while he's sitting there and when he's testifying his wife is behind him which is a bummer especially when he's just like and I met up with Florence Pia and we were (laughs) naked and I should have hung dong but I didn't. <laughs> I should have done it. I mean, I did it off screen. <laughs> right. Okay. So I, I don't think we go over the entirety of no. the plot here. I think people at this point now, if they're interested in the movie, understand what it's right. About. You can go read American Prometheus, the book that this movie is based off of. Uh, just so like here's what's your review of the movie? Adam, uh, now with some time and uh, put in between you watching it and now getting here. Yeah, so I definitely want to go see it again. I, I think uh, much like Interstellar um, and Inception, things like that, other Christopher Nolan, you know, gigantic movies. Uh, seeing it a second time, you're going to pick up on things that you missed, right? This movie was just chock full of information, jargon. I had no idea what some of the things they were talking about were. Um, but at face value, the movie was was expertly created uh, from an artistic like standpoint. I think the story was incredibly compelling. Like you said, it it didn't feel like it took three hours and five minutes or whatever it was. It, it kept you on the edge of your seat. The tension buildups to, to each crescendo were amazing and very fulfilling when they came to fruition. And uh, so, yeah, I, I very much enjoy this movie. But like I said, I want to see it again to really take in the pieces that I, I didn't understand and like it just kind of brushed off because the next thing was starting to come quicker. <laughs> but yeah, loved. I loved the movie. Absolutely loved it. And I'm psyched we got to see it in its full format i agree 100 yeah we're both not theoretical physicists so no. some of the stuff is gonna go over our heads i think the best way to like recap slash gush about this movie is to just go over the cast because oh my god it's unbelievable it's 
unreal. Now I'm just going to work my way up from the bottom yeah. of the IMDb, okay? The first mm-hmm. one is Gary Oldman as Harry Truman. Unreal. Like, you leaned over, you're like, is that Gary Oldman? Is that Oldman? fucking Gary I'm Oldman? Like, it fucking is. <laughs> He's on screen for two minutes. He says something mean to Oppenheimer. Get that crybaby out of the Oval Office. Don't let him ever back here again. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because I, you know, Gary Oldman also uh, played Winston Churchill uh, Mm -hmm. in in the recent past. So him coming back as Harry Truman now on both sides of the war, I think was very, very interesting. And he I'm not going to keep saying he or she or they did a great job because it's going to get old. But he did. (laughs) Save it for the few that really deserve it. Yeah, 100 percent. Okay, Casey Affleck also (sighs) on screen for like four minutes as Boris Pat. I can't I can't stop. He was so great. He's so great. <laughs> this is going to be a bad podcast. It's OK. <laughs> it's going to be 20 minutes of name too. so good. So good. I mean, he was uh, kind of a, a blind. Like, I didn't expect one. I didn't expect him to be in it. I didn't know he was going to be in it. But he was also like, you could tell the character he was. they were trying to paint for him was evil and bad. And like, he yeah. just has that freaking look about him. And yeah, so good. Olivia Thurbley of Juno and uh, Jed fame mm. or Jed, uh, Jed Dread <laughs> fame. Uh, uh, also in their Rami Malik on screen for about five minutes as well. Uh, and especially at the end when, when he's testifying against Strauss, uh, playing a character named David Hill. I have a tough time seeing Rami Malik and not thinking that's Rami Malik. That that's Freddie Mercury. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, he, he wasn't on screen very long, but what he, his lines on screen were like the biggest, like, oh shit, fuck you moment of the whole movie. Uh, Benny Safdie, the, uh, one of the co-directors of Uncut Gems and Mm. Good Time, also an actor. Yeah. Played Edward Teller in the movie. They, uh, he was really good. He was the guy that Emily Blunt doesn't shake his hand, uh, at the, uh, the scene where, uh, Oppenheimer is getting an award. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hold on one moment. Write down what number or what what numbers we're at because Sam's calling me. 1134. Hello? Hi. We're still recording. Oh, I, t- I texted you that we were doing it. Mm-mm. You didn't read that? You didn't read it? <laughs> All right. Right. All right. Bye. Apologies for you having to edit that. It's quite okay. Jack Quaid plays Richard Feynman. He's uh, the guy playing the bongos all the time. He's also one of the first uh, in the first photos I saw of the movie was him yeah. and uh, Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer walking through like Harvard Square or something. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, is he related to Randy Quaid? Processing. Processing. <laughs> IMDBing. En- enhance. <laughs> Yep. Yes. Is he's, he really? Yeah. Randy Quaid's his uncle. Oh, wow. All right. His father is Dennis Quaid and his mother is Meg Jesus. Ryan. Oh, yeah. That, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> sure. He's in the boys. He's great. Josh Peck as Kenneth Bainbridge, the guy with his hand over the button being like, don't fucking press this button. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Peck was such a weird cast for that, but I don't hate it. Like, it was just uh, when I saw him on screen, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Josh Peck, he's here. Yeah, he's here. Matt but, Damon. I mean, must have been psyched for him. As Leslie Groves. Psyched. Matt Damon, I think, also gets that same Rami Malik treatment a little bit where, like, everyone's like, that's Matt Damon. But yep. 
I thought he was great in this movie. He was a good comic relief. Uh, he had the story in the pressers talking about him being on an extended vacation and having a conversation with his wife where he was like, okay, I'm not going to do anything for this extended period of time. Except, and this is one caveat, if Chris Nolan calls, that's the only way I'm doing And then he called. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, as I'm scrolling through the TikToks and the Instagrams, um, I'm seeing all these interviews of Oppenheimer, obviously, you know, because my phone is listening to me and knows I went and saw it. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I, there was one that I came across where it was him and Emily Blunt. And he said, you know, it was 25 years ago where I played a private in Saving Private Ryan. And <laughs> Emily Blunt was like, Jesus Christ, it was 75. Or it was 25 <laughs> years ago. God damn it. We're 75 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> it was 25 year old. And he was like, yeah, yeah I am. Old. <laughs> Matthew Modine of Stranger Things also in there somewhere. Florence Pia, mm. uh, uh, Jean Tatlock. I do like the scene where she uh, suicides, question mark. There were like oh. an extra pair of hands in there to yes. let the historical context through of we don't know if she suicided or if she mm. was murdered. Uh, but mm. she was great in the movie, a wonderful foil to Killian Murphy. And I think one of the greatest actors of her generation yeah she's really great and um i mean every scene that she was in she kind of stole it not the fact that she was naked but (laughs) she is in in, like invested in it and you can tell that just wrapped up in this role she's so great and yeah the way she delivers the line her emotions that come through very very good there are a few scene stealers out of a cast of like 20 actual huge actors a few scenes Steelers and she is at the forefront of them. Mm. I think of it in the same way as like Michael Sarah and Barbie which because mm. uh, he every time he's on screen is like god damn it he is owning this right now oh yeah that that was so good and by the way i think it's important to note here we didn't talk about it but like the barbenheimer effect the the ca- the counter content effect where they put these on the same day and then it sort of became a cultural phenomenon to uh, like they'll never be separated right no nope never again honestly probably good yeah, no, it was amazing. I, Barbie is making a crap load of money and oh, Oppenheimer yeah. is making way more than a biopic should. Right. And I just love the uh, people that we saw at the theater when we went and saw Oppenheimer, <laughs> the half shirts that said Oppenheimer on one half and mm-hmm. Barbie on the other, you know, gray and pink. And everyone was dressed up like it felt like in, when we were younger going to the movies. It was great. Josh Hartnett as Ernest Lawrence. Josh oh, Hartnett was great Christ. in this movie. He he was so good. And when I saw him on screen, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, I didn't I didn't put it together at first that that was Josh Hartnett, the same guy that played in Pearl Harbor. And he's finally getting his revenge for his buddy. Exactly. Yes. And I had just seen him in a Black Mirror episode because he was in one with Aaron Paul. Uh, He did you know that he turned down the role of Batman that Christian Christian Bale would eventually get? Really? Yeah, I just oh, learned that. I didn't that. know that. Oh, I didn't know that. David Crumholtz as Isidore Rabbi. Uh he David Crumholtz is like transformed in this role. He <sighs> so, is completely so taking it on and uh he was great. Kenneth Branagh, uh, <laughs> he's also Bernard. There. Uh he's burnt. Yes, let's go. He's yeah, Bernard. Let's skip over Kenneth Branagh, who is an amazing yeah. actor and director. <laughs> he is David Crumold, that is Bernard in the Santa Claus, and that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> 
We then have Jason Clark as Roger Robb. Uh, and remember that these are all real people they're playing, right? I know. Ruthless, are, this guy. There are transcripts that sometimes just becomes the dialogue. And right. this guy's job was to discredit Oppenheimer, and he did a very good one. And Jason so Clark, uh, I know him best from uh, Lawless. He yep. was also, I, I hated him, so they did a good job. He also was in... He was also in something else. Oh, my God. Let me navigate to his IMDb. Zero Dark he, Thirty. Uh, yeah. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Maybe it was that. I remember I remember seeing him in something. Oh, God, I can't think of it. <laughs> oh, no. Dane Terminator. He was in. He was John Connor in the Terminator reboot. Oh, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're now getting up to the top here. Alden Einreich. Uh, as the Senate aide. Guy didn't even get a name, but he was amazing in this movie. He's the guy. <laughs> the Senate aide. Yeah, they didn't give him a name, but he's the guy who gets to just like tell off uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s Louis Strauss at the end. Yeah. Like, well, maybe, uh, I don't know, the truth will happen, you fucking dick. Yeah, that was a that was a great where he waited to open the door. Oof, truth bomb. Truth bomb. Amazing. And, and, you know, I'm glad that he busted out of the Han Solo um, detriment and sure. brought it back with this one we're now getting to the top of this order robert downey jr as louis strauss will most likely if he doesn't win yeah. uh best supporting actor uh, uh, yeah he was great it's gonna and be tough man because yeah. he ruled in this because after playing tony stark for so long the guy with mm. all the quips the guy with all the punchlines, he then plays this character that has no punchlines. he is mm. just manipulating and quote unquote serving his country and right up until the very end I didn't think he was going to get called out in front of everybody and sort of no. have a downfall but he does which is a absolutely which is a testament to me not knowing the history one and two <laughs> right. uh, the uh, the movie selling me something and then turning me on my own head uh, to be yeah. like, oh, twist. M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong, right on. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, he is just... Mm. I just, when I think back at the scenes that he was in, I mean, he, he, like you said, he sold it. He's manipulative. But I mean, we knew that Robert Downey Jr. was a great dramatic actor. I, I, I think of immediately the movie, um, The Judge. Oh, so uh, good, man. Yeah, that I, that I saw on our way back home from Barcelona. Yes, we, we both watched it on the plane yeah. ride. And that was the first time I saw it. And I looked over to you and I was like, this movie's fucking good. This movie's great. <laughs> it's so good and heartfelt and he plays like a very serious role and yeah just excellent excellent i'm just so so happy that he he can break through the stigma of being uh tony stark and i mm. mean he is tony stark he is there's, I there's no yes but, but like it, it was such a separation like this was an actor i saw on screen and i didn't say hey that's tony stark you know right. i said this is robert downey jr playing a role in this movie like i was able to separate it i mean him walking towards einstein and oppenheimer thinking oh, they're yeah. talking about him Right. And then it turns out that that's not the case at all. By the way, Tom Conti as Albert Einstein, absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, it, it's you know you ask a, a, any normal like average intelligence 
American when Einstein lived, they probably say the 17 or 1800s. Like it's right. People forget <laughs> that he l- was alive recently, man. Yeah, right. Him and right. Pablo Picasso, so recent. It's wild to think about because I, I forget about it too. I'm going to skip over Emily Blunt because we're going to get back to her. Because yeah, for sure. talking about Emily Blunt, I think you have to put it in the context of first talking about uh, the foundation of this movie, which is Killian Murphy. Mm. Uh, obviously, in the Batman movies, has been headlining Peaky Blinders for the last like decade, and that just ended. Killian Murphy's J. Robert Oppenheimer. Uh, ha- again, it's kind of exactly like I said to Robert Downey Jr. Like, should unless something incredible happens, win Best Actor for this role? Sure. Yeah, I can see it in a Absolutely. movie that is three hours and five minutes long where the script at least when it's in color is written in the first person and Mm. that first person perspective is his if Mm -hmm. he doesn't bring it every second he's on screen this movie doesn't work and he does i will always remember him in the scene where he is talking to the gym of people and the white flashing light is happening and they're all radiated and getting deaded and uh (laughs) he's just like this is bad (laughs) oh man this is bad yeah i mean and his uh dedication to the craft of of being this actor is you know he lost a shit ton of weight for this role the even the actors are saying yeah he never ate dinner with us again i'm really he's a method actor which i I know he is i think is dumb but uh, you know what you? though it, it seems to be pretty great yes <laughs> when, when it, the people who do it when it works uh yeah, people are fair. like well i guess it worked so let him be uh robert oppenheimer on yeah. set i mean I'm if he if, so i've been seeing cream. i've been seeing the uh you know interviews of him at, you know after obviously everything's wrapped and the, the movie's out and and you know he's definitely a healthier weight but like he wouldn't have looked like oppenheimer had he not lost all that weight because you look at pictures of real Oppenheimer and him, and it was such a great cast, too. They have such similar attributes, physical attributes that make him look like him, and his mannerisms just very, very good. And I think, like, okay, I'm about to talk about Emily Blunt, and I'm about to call it the performance of the movie. I'm about to call it, like, one of the best <sighs> performances of the decade. I'm about sure. to... um I'm about to like pinatas and 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 confetti from the ceiling. The way I'm about to talk about Emily Blunt's performance, <laughs> and I, well, I think, let's just say you ain't wrong. No, I I don't think I am. But I think that performance is can't be what it is unless Killian Murphy didn't just murder being yeah. J. Robert Oppenheimer. And I think it will get like lost in the sauce a little bit how good he was it's the same sort of thing we'll talk about with margot robbie when we talk about barbie because i think that's going to get lost in the sauce how amazing she is carrying that entire movie because the characters around her are allowed to flourish or allowed Mm -hmm. to be the fullest version that they can be because the rock at the center of the movie is so strong uh, and I, so that I, th- I think is also cool in the Barbenheimer phenomenon, which is like two amazing lead performances that I think over the years will be forgotten. And I think that supporting performances will uh, kind of live on farther than uh, the main people. But I anyway, Emily Blunt's I, yeah, performance. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could see <laughs> I could see that happening. But I don't know, man. I think the Killian Murphy one. I think this is such t- t- so much of a 
mega movie and he's on screen for so long and he's so good that I don't know that he will get lost. I could see it happening with Margot Robbie and, and Barbie because that that cast was stacked as well. I mean, and, and there was a heck of a lot more screen time for a lot of those actors. So, um, yeah, we'll see. By the way, we'll be talking about Barbie next week on this podcast. So come back for that. Emily mm. Blunt, Edge of Tomorrow is one of my favorite movies. She is is so, so, oh yeah, I love that movie. Uh, She's also in The Devil Wears Prada and she's Mary Gosh Dang Poppins Mm -hmm. and she's amazing in The Quiet Place uh, in real life, married to Jack Ryan. I mean, John Krasinski. (laughs) And she, I don't, I don't, I never gave her enough credit. I don't no, know if you're same. like me. No, but- I, I absolutely same. I remember seeing her the first time I ever recognized who she really was was the Devil Wears Prada. And then I remember she came up again in like the Adjustment Bureau or something. And the other one was Christ Almighty uh, Looper. She played Christ? <laughs> She played Christ cool. in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes, dude. I love the Dreamcoat, and it's amazing. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Songs. Webber, baby. <laughs> anyway, go, go She's on. one of the most talented people on Earth. Yeah, like, she, she's showing her stride here. Oh, my God. When she would not shake Benny Safdie's hand. Uh, at just the end? the look that she Ooh. gave. Because she called it out. She said, these people are going to forgive you and pretend like you're well, the hero. Albert and- Einstein said that, and then she lived that shit, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, she right. stood by her man, her man mm-hmm. who cheated on her, and she knew about it. And yeah. <laughs> But she still he was here. in a dark place, Ryan. Doesn't matter. No, no excuses. She's still standing. She's still strong playing Kitty Oppenheimer. Bring in the sheets, Kitty. God damn it. You, if like out of all of these performances, if Emily Blunt doesn't win, that's oh, the biggest travesty. Best supporting actress or best lead actress? Lead, lead, lead. Oh, lead. It depends on okay. what they, they put her in for. Because yeah. I think they'll put up Florence Pugh for best supporting actress. Oh, and yeah, she, that's true. That's true. She, yeah. she absolutely has a chance to win that as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the year is long and full of movies. So we yeah. will most likely... Uh, be having this conversation throughout the year, but we are going to be putting up in the drama category all performances against Killian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., and Florence Pugh, and we'll see how it goes. And you know, maybe we get a rand like you didn't ever see Brandon Fraser's The Whale coming last year, right? Mm-hmm. Like that just it came out of nowhere and of course won. So maybe there yeah, is one of those yeah. things. That is in the the works for this year. But if not, just give Oppenheimer the awards. Yeah. I mean, The Whale was an interesting one because, you know, Brendan Fraser so wildly loved and it was his kind of comeback movie. And then when that all all that press started happening for him and he was doing interviews, people realized that, oh, wow, he's actually back. Maybe we should check out this movie. And then it just it exploded so quickly. I remember exploded. hearing about it. You get it? Oh, yeah. Like the bomb uh, uh, over uh, here. Shimo and Nagasaki <laughs> killing all those goddamn people. Oof. Me- well, messed up. So, pretty messed up. So, pretty messed when up. That- <laughs> Our government totally sucks, you motherfucker. Yeah. Government totally sucks. Thank you, Tenacious D, <laughs> for the truth. But yeah, so The Whale, I didn't see coming. A lot of people didn't know about that movie until after it came out. You know, people started kind of recognizing it. And yeah, it was massive, no pun intended. And it was such a great movie. Hey, is Christopher Nolan the most accomplished director of 
this generation. I mean, I would make an argument. Well, here, let's do this. Let's do this. Ready? We're going to do this. I'm ready. What two are we seconds. doing? Just give me two seconds. Okay. <laughs> I need to pull it up. Hold on. Okay. Then stall better. Okay. I don't know. All right. Ready? I'm ready, I guess. Memento. Sure. Batman Begins. All the, the Batman. The Dark Knight. Dark Knight. The Dark Inception. Knight. Dark Knight Rises. Interstellar. Dunkirk. Tenet. Oppenheimer. I would say, yeah. Yeah. By the way, like Dunkirk doesn't get the love it should. We saw that in no. IMAX when it came out. Yeah, we saw that one in IMAX. And that was a wonderful movie in IMAX. Scary as hell. It's so loud. That's why IMAX is the best because it's so gosh dang loud. It's so loud and huge. And like next time uh, when there's a movie coming out in IMAX that we must see, we need to know this sooner so we can buy tickets more towards the back. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I I just, he, uh, like Matt Damon said, I will not do anything, but if Chris calls, I'm leaving, babe. Later. I know. Later, dude. And like, he he always just partners with like some of the best uh, sound designers and set designers. And he's got an amazing DP and just, it's it's just so good. Music. Oh, Ludwig Goranson, uh, mm. a producer for Childish Gambino, uh, the mm-hmm. Mandalorian uh, yep. composer of is probably the like coming into his own as the most accomplished composer of today. And uh, there were no drums in the three hours and five minutes mm. the entire time. Yeah, that's and a I good point. Didn't realize it until I read it. Oh, my God. It's so sick. Yeah, it's it, and it played on that this so it felt like and it was very intentionally and and it worked really well for this. It felt repetitive. I mean, you know, and and that's good for this type of movie with its pacing, but it was the same music that they used in the the first trailer that was released and I remember saying like, "Dang. Like that's such a beautiful score." And it fits the mood so well. And they just ran with it and did different variations of it. Man. Yeah, I'm going to listen to that soundtrack for sure. As we wrap up, what are the scenes from this movie that will live on with you? So one of my favorite things, and honestly, I wasn't prepared for it, um, was the scene when they the, the Trinity test actually exploded. Yeah. The and silence. I was, yes, I was prepared. It's IMAX. I'm prepared for the loudest of booms. Right. I was clenched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then bright light, bright, 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 bright light. And IMAX is also much brighter than standard definition. Yeah. Bright light and just silence for a good minute, minute and a half cutting between the visuals of people experiencing the bright light seeing the flash then turning around and looking at it um the close-up shots of their glasses the welder's glasses and it was complete silence i mean you could hear a goddamn pin drop in our theater and it was just such an awesome decision to choose to do that scene like that and then they brought it in at the end of that scene with the huge explosion and the the shockwave of the aftermath of it and it was just it was so good i do i'll remember when uh, oppenheimer and Matt Damon's character are having the conversation about like the close to nil chance that the chain reaction will light the atmosphere on fire and they'll destroy the world. And he's like, well, what would you rather have? And Matt Damon's like, zero. Zero. I'd rather have have zero. zero. (laughs) There was a lot of, I mean, it was, it was kind of a funny movie in some regards. Like there was some, there was some funny scenes that were like laugh out loud funny. Um, You know, just kind of the situation that they were in and they were making light of it and uh, just how heavy things ended up being was, it was a, it was a cool, uh, dynamic 
Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Anyway, do I have to keep reading while we bang or? <laughs> That's right. I did you not think that, that was going to happen idea. during the banging. Yeah. And um, neither did I. And there was uh, a couple of, um, I guess, Hinduists groups that uh, are shunning Christopher Nolan and, and asking for that scene to actually be removed from the movie. Dude, whatever, dude. I don't care about <laughs> your feelings. Oh, the thing <laughs> in the movie made me feel a way I don't like. Yeah. Don't fucking watch it. That's I, like saying like, uh, that's not your opinion. Well, good thing about opinions is that everyone has them and it doesn't matter or I'm offended. Oh, I'm sorry. You're offended. I'm sorry. You're offended. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to you watch it. To it. Yeah. What the zeitgeist has changed in a way because this mm. movie—it it is that I don't care. It's all just fluff. It's all just <laughs> clickbaity bullshit. It's all just <laughs> things that uh, old uh, people are screaming at a TV while watching the news for them to be angry about. And also, like, uh, I don't care. Anyway. Uh, also, one one more thing on Ludwig Göransson. If you didn't say it, he did Black Panther. Yes. Which, did you say Black Panther? Nah, but that that did, yo that score one was ripped. so good. It was so good. Anyway, we loved this movie, and yeah. <laughs> uh, this was a forty minute gush just talking about how our, we feel about it. Thank you for being around for that. Like I said, we're going to be doing Barbie next week, so come back for that. If you want more stuff from us, it's a dollar a month at patreoncom HBOBOYZ. You get a bunch more podcasts and also you get to join the private discord where you get to talk to us all day and tell us the things you want to hear. Uh, (laughs) I really appreciate all of you still being around. Oh, by the way, now on Patreon, a super secret patron only exclusive series that I can't put on the main channel because it would get me in trouble. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's a teaser yes. right there. It, that, that is a great teaser. But thank you to our patrons Sunshine, Connor O'Dowd, Jamie Lochner, James Watch My Dong, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Craig, John Jewers, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you so much for your uh, submissions or uh, subscriptions, rather, not submissions. That's weird. And uh, please follow us on the TikTok at the HBO Boys, uh, the HBO Boys Instagram at the HBO Boys, and threads at the HBO Boys. <laughs> You're doing it. I periodically post things. Please follow, subscribe, like, all that great stuff. When they've punished you enough, they'll serve you salmon and potato salad, make Mm. speeches, give you a medal, and pat Mm. you in the back telling all is forgiven. Just remember, it won't be for you. It would be for them. Albert Einstein. Those (laughs) bastards. (laughs) Yeah. Ugh. God, it was so good. Yeah.